Warning, ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pro Try News. I'm your host, Kyle Glass, joining you from Oklahoma City. I have three of my favorite people on the podcast this week. We have Mr. Mark Matthews. Mark, back from training camp. Yeah, I lost zero kilograms, um, but I gained somewhat, uh, and I've really found my love of the sport. Uh, to do it myself, that is, always loved it anyway. So that was good, and I'm honestly only on this podcast to listen to Pat loses shit over the amount of cones in Abu Dhabi. That's I've only come on for that. <laughs> All right, Pat, Pat go but ahead. They were like, we're just going to talk about it. We're just going to go straight in. <laughs> you know, it's like if it wasn't clear enough, we're on a racetrack. We'd, we'd like to just make it more clear with creating boundaries with the cones. The, the cars going 300K an hour don't need cones, but the bikes going 47K an hour, we believe, need the cones. Uh, that's what I'm out. I'm going to go now. That's all I came for. All right, Pat. Go. Where are you yeah, joining us from? Are you in New Plymouth or where are you at? I'm in New Plymouth, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we, we had a big weekend of triathlon and, and it was cool and the time zones were appropriate for me. And I think we've got uh, a great show here. So thrilled, thrilled that we were able to coordinate four time zones and get this podcast done. Man, unreal. Chelsea. Hi, Kyle, Pat and Mark. Did you have a great weekend? A really good weekend. Just Another training away. weekend with your uh, training buddy, Holly Lawrence. Yep. New, I mean, new friend, Holly, listens to our podcast. So, Bruma has it. Recruiting listeners one run at a time. So, Bruma has it. Flora's not happy that you're, you found that you've replaced her. Yeah, well, Flora went to Africa. So, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea's got to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, before we get started, I want to remind everyone uh, we are able to bring you these fantastic episodes um, because of Waterfall Bank. Please visit waterfallbank.com. Start putting your money in a bank that helps support triathletes. You can also join the Waterfall Racing team. Visit waterfallracing.com. It's $75 to join, and it comes with a myriad of benefits, including exclusive access with some of the professional athletes on the team as well as a free month of strength training from EC Fit Boulder whenever you sign up. So uh, be sure to do that. Also, we still have our 20% discount from Manscaped. So if you go to manscaped.com, use promo code PROTRYNEWS20. We just want to use these codes as many times as we can so that I can go back to them and say, hey, everyone's using all of our codes. Why don't you sponsor the podcast again? So that we Kyle, can to, came- to listeners, if if they get a, man, a manscaped razor, where's the first place you would suggest that they that they shave? Yeah, Kyle. I mean, I mean, if you're a triathlete, I would go with your arms first. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and just see how good it is, and then you go to your legs, and then go to the manjules. So the manjules. Okay, good. It seems Talbot Cox has joined the show. Speaking of manjules, how are we doing, Talbot? No, no, Talbot's just on listening watch. He's oh, just he's here just, to make sure he's that what we say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, got it. Well, Chelsea, take us through WTS Abu Dhabi this weekend. Kind of what we expected with the runners taking the victory. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a breakaway, kind of. Um, it was a fun race to watch. I think it was, despite the presence of the cones, 
I'm glad it's back. And it was kind of funny that we were just watching Abu Dhabi a few months ago and they were back. Um, anyways, in the women's race, I think we previewed it saying there were a few front hitters missing and we weren't sure what was going to happen. I think we picked people like Beth Potter and Cassandra Bogron on the podium. Um, Beth Potter took the win. Sophie Caldwell was second and Taylor Spivey was third. And I know you guys, I've definitely have given Beth Potter some shit on this podcast, but yeah, she was a full on impressive triathlete on, on Friday. Um, swam really well, worked in that bike group with everyone and yeah, had a, her first world series win and I'm sure it will not be her last. Um, Sophie Caldwell was also really impressive. She ran with her for much of the run, uh, not known usually as being kind of a Beth Potter quality runner. Um, but yeah, and Taylor had a great race as we, you know, Pat's biased for certain athletes. Taylor Spivey's a good friend of mine. So I was very happy to see her race well. Um, but yeah, Summer Cook was fourth who had a really rough year last year. So I was really stoked to see her come back and have a good one again. Chelsea, what was your impression or understanding of what was going on in that chase group? Because clearly, you know, there was a, there was a lot of athletes in there and for a moment, maybe on the first, first and a half lap, it, it seemed like they were going to claw some time back and then they started to, to lose a bunch of time. What was your assessment of that? Yeah, I think the chase group was a big pack. Um, and I think you see those big packs really struggle to get organized. Um, on the feed, we didn't get a ton of video of them, but I saw Georgia Taylor Brown was in that chase group. So she would have probably been pretty disappointed with her swim and her kind of overall race that day. But I think that her and probably a few others were would have been very motivated to try and catch that front group. But I think we're probably just lacking the organization that the front group who would have, I mean, there were six of them and they could kind of roll turns and make it through that pretty, I mean, it was a technical course. And I think that a big pack just struggles more in that. So I find it really interesting with triathlon. It still baffles me the notion that Georgia would consider chasing. Like it, to me, when they've got two GB athletes up the road, there's a seven person breakaway. Uh, it fascinates me that they still have the free reign to try and chase that down. Effectively, Georgia bringing Cassandra Bogron into that race. If Georgia had chilled across that gap, Cassandra Bogron had taken the win. That would have been an absolute shambles for GB. So for me, and I said it to Pat, we were chatting. It just it amazes me that the likes of France and Australia, uh, some of these other big countries, can't get a group together. As in, Cassandra had French athletes in that race. I'm amazed that they aren't direction like you two are on the front drilling it until we get this back, like you have to sacrifice your race. Why does that exist, Chelsea, still? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's a good question. I think when you kind of, like for us looking at it, I think the men's race is interesting. I think that we kind of see French athletes in the men's race in that front group, and maybe we don't see French athletes in that chase pushing because maybe they're, t I think that's a country I think is maybe talking about tactics a bit more than, say, the GB or in the US. I mean, I've been kind of on the inside of racing for the US and that was never a conversation of, oh, if so-and-so is in the breakaway, don't work because we don't want the groups to come together. Um, so I don't know. I think that these athletes are ultimately all racing for themselves and they're really motivated and really competitive. And I think you only get good at this sport if you're really selfish, quite honestly. Yes, Pat? Yeah, and, and I think if we look at if we look at history, especially on the men's side, you know, 
whether it was Alistair Brownlee employing Richard Varga or Javier Gomez having a, a, a big slug of different athletes over the years, um, they've always used domestiques from from other countries, and so it's a bit of it's a bit it's a bit confusing for the outsider to look at a sport and go, okay, well, just because they're racing for the same country does not mean they're on the same team. And I think this is uh, like further evidence of that, right? And so, again, Mark, we said on the on the you and I privately when we were texting about the race, like if you look at a country like Australia. They, they frankly just didn't have anyone that had the horsepower to reel that group in or have a clear favorite as to who they would be doing that chasing for, right, in support of. And so I think in this case, uh, you know, that's that's probably also what you have to, to find and align as well. Chelsea, were you going to say something? I mean, just kind of to back you up, I think that, I mean, George is used to being at the front of every race. And I'm, I'm doubting that's a conversation GB is having with Georgia saying, Oh, well you just let Beth win. And I, I know that we kind of look at these athletes on social media and it's like, Oh, everyone's friends, but I don't know if that's exactly how it always is. So I mean, and the other, the other thing you have to remember is like, this is racing. It's unpredictable. And I think the other piece is, is that would we have ever predicted a world where Georgia Taylor Brown missed the front group? Probably not. Beth Potter makes the front group and drives it, probably not. And then I think there's, while Cassandra Bogrand has shown um, fantastic running capacity, she's not always the most consistent. So it's not a shoo-in for the French team to be like, today we're going to support Cassandra because it's, she, it, it, there's, um, there's, not de- there's not clear consistency in her run capacity. So I think that's, those are the, those are the interesting things at stake and we can always do a post-mortem on the race and everything makes sense. But beforehand in our prediction show, I don't think we would have predicted the, the race playing the way that it did. Yeah. And, and even what you said before about uh, there being assistance from separate countries. I mean, this isn't, I guess, it's not a charitable don- donation either, right? Like there, there's incentive for, I guess, someone to be helping someone else. And I mean, that's probably a conversation that there are things attached to that in every case. And I think when you see it successfully, it's something that the public is probably never knowing about, but Mark. Yeah. So before we move on to the men's race, do you think the Sophie Colwell penalty, she had a 10 second penalty for a false start and a swim. Do you think that had any impact? I, I didn't personally, but could, could that have changed the dynamic at all? Um, I mean, I think, I believe it would have probably played out, 99% similarly, but if you did watch, Beth was, I think, the last one to come out of the water of that swim group. So perhaps Sophie, without a 10 second penalty, would have been 10 seconds sooner onto the bike, driving it 10 seconds sooner. It may be, may have been a bit more strung out, but Beth Potter has, I guess, proved to be a really great cyclist. And I'm not saying by any means that she wouldn't have made it into that um, breakaway group, but we never know. It was, I mean, Sophie is really known for her get-out speed. And, I, I mean, I watched the start, and it was definitely not, oh, she definitely false started. So it was definitely a, I keep saying definitely, millisecond type of thing. Yeah. Um, but certainly I mean, every penalty is changes it a little bit, right? Yeah, on our private chat, um, Pat had to admit that he was horribly wrong about Sophie Colwell's running capability, and I was right, which was... It's always nice when Pat has to admit he was wrong. That was really satisfying because it's a rare occasion. 
Um, what about the men? I think, I think the way that I admitted it, well, well, it prompted Mark was how I had to admit it, and I was I was not happy about it. <laughs> what about the men then, Charles? Yeah, men's race. Um, they made it a few laps with a breakaway. Vincent Louis let out of the water and drove that front group pretty hard with, I don't know, there was at least another French athlete, the Hungarian, DeVay. Um, but it ultimately, they came off the bike in a very big group, and Alex Yee ran like Alex Yee. Uh, rest of the podium was Vasco Velasa from Portugal was second, and Mestias was third, who Kyle picked to have a great race. Um, both younger guys and have been on World Series podiums before. Vasco hasn't been on one since 2020. Um, but yeah, you're, you're seeing these guys born in 97, 98, 99 and beyond kind of make their stamp. Yeah, chill. The, the new card is here. Yeah. yeah. Manuel Messias, I mean, he won Junior Worlds, I believe it was 2015 in Chicago whenever they canceled the swim. So he's obviously a really good biker, really good runner. Um, and is also coached by Voldemort. So, uh, as you can tell, that that coach has not had a successful male athlete in a while. So, uh, if ever, it'll be interesting to see how he coaches him throughout this Olympic cycle and see where where he ends up. He might have another athlete getting I need, uh, a medal in the Olympics. I need a cheat sheet of all these Voldemorts. You guys, no, have there's, a lot. there's one Voldemort. One Voldemort. There's, oh, there's okay. one coach that we just don't mention their name. Okay. I'll put it in the sidebar and our listeners can work it out. And if you can't work it out, you don't deserve to know or need to know rather. Um, there was some drama though in the men's race. Like there were plenty of little little side stories. We had Hayden Wild. Uh, I had a poor swim anyway. And then he got on the bike and he had a flat tire from T1, I believe it looked like. Listeners, let's have a poll. Who let out the air? Oh, so the controversy that Chelsea's alluding to is Hayden is implying that someone let his tire go flat because he since he pumped it up after the race, left it for two days, and it was still solid holding air. So, as we know, though, with tubeless, the sealant might have just set. So you don't really know. But That's not th- he has gone as far as yeah, speculating that someone let his tire down, which would be bold and hugely controversial. Also, so strange were, to do in such an unimportant race. So there were two um, two punctures that I know of in the men's race. You know, in while the bikes were in transition, so Hayden Wild and Jacob Burt Whistle, um, and you know, I was at a mixed team relay the other day when uh, Taylor Reed was leading a, a relay and hopped out onto his bike and and also had a puncture. Um, so begs the question, you know, Mark, tell us the realities around the mechanics of if you've got a tubeless tire overinflated. And then it's sitting in direct sunlight. Could that could that cause a, an explosion if it sat out for you know? Sometimes they're out for as much as an hour. Um, so you can you can do the maths, and we do it. Um, it's it's more it's more relevant for Ironman because you might rack in, in the dark in the cold, and then the temperature might go up twenty five degrees, and you can yeah. work out the expansion. Uh, maths of the air so how much the pressure will increase per degree it goes up and you can pump up so i think uh ironman western australia we pump cats up to like 20 psi below because we knew there'd be like a 22 23 degrees temperature shift which would bring that pressure up the thing is nowadays like we know that you can run tires just as fast with lower pressure you know you can run 28s with 80 psi or less and they run the Mm -hmm. same as 100 but they're they're 
viable up to like 120. So the, the, real, the reality is if you haven't cocked it up yourself and already pumped it to like 110 and then there's a 20 degree temperature shift, it, it shouldn't be a realistic problem. It's then if you've got something like a slightly dodgy valve or the sealant's new and it hasn't set and bit properly, so it's not set around, that's when it becomes an issue. So if someone's changed yeah. tires just before the race, it's not properly set, then the temperature goes up. That's where you might end in the territory that you're talking about, uh, expansion problems. Yep. Can I add something? Mm-hmm. It's worth noting, too, that uh, Burt Whistle was last out of the water and Hayden Wild was third to last out of the water. So they maybe could think about swimming a little faster, let the tires sit there for less time in the stunt. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Dude. Short racing is all about swimming, right? You got to swim fast. I will say that Macias was very far back and managed yeah. to get on the podium too. So, so I guess it, it just – it. Chelsea, I completely agree with you. It just begs the question for me is like, you know, there are those, these are things that one, I think the athletes need to take into consideration when they're racking their bikes. And then two, I just, I still don't like to see um, anyone have a mechanical while their equipment is idle. Yeah. And like the national governing body coaches that are around could in theory, before the gun goes off, go into T1 change the wheel and i believe the referees would even give them permission to do it during the race in world triathlon because you can have support in doing so can't you um whilst they're swimming so if they'd noticed it you probably could sort it but we had this discussion like it doesn't look the same when, it, when an old tub used to blow up you would see it sat and it would sit flat on the rim when it? it's really obvious it's flat whereas when a tubeless tire blows it holds its shape and you wouldn't really notice it. So without a referee going down and pressing the tires, you yeah. you probably wouldn't know. And it wouldn't yeah. go bang like the old ones used to either. Yeah. And I, and I also understand like, where does it stop? Like where, like, okay, somebody's derailleur is about to fall off. Like, not that that's likely. I just, I just think between like that. And then if it's windy, like helmets falling off, that kind of stuff. I just, I just don't like to see when the equipment, when the equipment, when you rack the equipment and your bike is working, you, you trust that it, everything is going to be the same when you come to get it after the swim. And I, and I don't think that that's like a, a, you know, too big of a request. Yeah, I agree. Uh, back to the race, Tyler Mislichuk also got a penalty. Do you guys think, I mean, he was running in the top four for a while. You think that there would have been a possibility for him to retain that podium without that penalty? Chelsea? No, I don't. He would not have been on the podium in my opinion, but Really great race for him. I think he had a really rough time since Tokyo Olympics. So it does look like Tyler's back in Tyler test event-esque form. Um, But I don't know if you noticed, but before he took his penalty, he had fallen quite a bit off that leading group of three. And um, yeah, the Vincent Louis and uh, Dorian Connix were kind of charging. So I don't think Tyler would have been on the podium, but I think he would have been in the top five and been still very happy with that race so great race to tyler because i know a lot of people did write him off including myself so i i completely agree with the tyler but there's two things we'll cover on, on the men's race um one i mentioned and chelsea rightly shot me down i mentioned oh carl smith is racing and she points out he only finished fourth in a couple he's not really good a feature i did think it was incredibly impressive that when hayden was out of the racer he was no longer racing for hayden uh, Leo Bajert had a little breakaway sort of two thirds of the way through the bike uh, three quarters of the way through the bike took a few people with him and Carl Smith jumped out of the chase the main pack 
and covered the gap to that front group in a matter of seconds. Like the horsepower he demonstrated was really exceptional. You do have to think that if Hayden was in that group asking for that break to be closed down, Kyle did prove if he can get the points that he has the power to actually do that and be a really relevant domestic. So kudos to that. And the last of the big dramas that we saw, Gustav Eden, who finished 50-something, has a pending shoe penalty uh, um, appeal in against the shoes he's using. We're led to believe he used his Kona shoes, which are clearly not allowed. Um, we don't know if they're the shoes he used. Um, and the penalty, uh, I don't know if it's been resolved yet. His, his, it was pending. What, what's, what's your take, Pat? I mean, this was this was the big question I had, obviously, when everybody was getting their Hoka deals, uh, or sorry, not their Hoka deal, their on deals last year. And I and I said, what shoes are they going to run in when these shoes get banned? And like, are the you know are the massive deals that they're taking right now are they ultimately going to be worth it? And um, you, you know, I think we're seeing some of this come to roost, right? And like. Do they want to do they want to give these super shoes up? I, we, we're not we don't have a visual of what shoes he ran in, but clearly somebody has a problem with it. And, and they're being um, it's being closely monitored. But the but the rules are, are very clear um, on, on what shoes they can and can't run. in. so I just I just find it very fascinating. And it's it's something that, you know, no matter what year we're in here of this podcast, we end up talking about super shoes in some way shape or form so yeah i i find it highly uh fascinating yes chelsea i find it fascinating that someone is protesting 52nd place <laughs> I agree. Chelsea, 53rd i believe oh, sorry. Uh, no, I, I agree but that's it's the precedent setting and you have to address these issues this is like the first of the world series races where this rule has come into place and you want to address these issues now so everyone's playing on the level playing field so whoever did it i, I sort of appreciate it where the rule gets complicated is around what they're called development shoes what we would refer to as prototypes but the rules are really really clear in that and the rule is basically that the development shoe has to have been applied for to world athletics there's a structure in how you do that so you if if ASICs bring out a new shoe, you say, we want to run in this development shoe. These are the designs of it, the material laid down, the breakdown. You send a shoe sometimes to World Athletics. They have to be in a certain period before it. Then it goes on the list as development shoe. And then on top of all of that, you also have to apply to World Triathlon to use that development shoe. So you can't just turn up with a shoe, say it's a prototype, and then retrospectively they look at it, assess it's okay and it's fine. You have to have gone through this process first. And it sounds like Gustav didn't do that um, or he did. And then the shoe he ran in didn't match the one that's the development shoe. It is quite complicated, but it's it's good to get this issue ironed up now before big PTO races, world triathlon championships in Nice, Kona. It's interesting. Here's my larger question around Gustav Eden. Um, we, and we spoke about this on, on our group text thread. Uh, where does he go from here? And and thinking about where he really kind of he he really suffered at this distance um, in Leeds as well last year, and and I guess Chelsea, I'd love to hear like, do you think he has capacity to win a medal even in the Olympic distance, or is his is his swim just not going to allow him to get into that front group and be relevant in these races? Because the problem is now he's 50, he he needed to do this race because he needed some points. 
he didn't get yeah, I mean no you're right I mean he he struggled in Leeds um Leeds was an Olympic last year right I thought it was a sprint it was a sprint he did well in Bermuda which was an Olympic right and he was all right in that I mean I don't know I think that the odds are really against him I think that there will be a few race scenarios where he does he, he does manage to make it into a group where he can contend with the top guys, but I, I just also don't think he's challenging Alex D or Hayden Wild or these up and coming guys over five or even 10K. So um, I don't know. No, I wouldn't, no. I wouldn't I just, be putting too much energy here anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's just clear, right? He is the best at the PTO distance. He's the best at the, you know, the full Ironman distance. And, and obviously he could still be 70.3 world champion a bunch more times. It's just, it's, it's gotta be very challenging to, when you go to a PTO race, you just embarrass the field like he did in Edmonton, right? You go to Ironman world championships and you run away with it. And then you're racing here and you're, I mean, he's as much respect as I have for him. I mean, he's getting embarrassed, you know, and, and it's like, it's, it's hard to, when you have that other, when you have that other option, um, it'd be hard to say no to. I think too, wanting to do it all makes it really hard. I think making your year is, fluid as possible and going to all these world series that are all on different continents and they're always in some 3000 meter high training camp and you're trying to add PTO races into that. I mean, heck, if I was doing that, I'd be sick every other day. And I think that the more you press and press, I just don't think you can have it all. Hey? And the older and older you get, the, the more fragile that press becomes, right? And they are, they are getting older as the years go on. That load is maybe harder to manage, but watch us talk rubbish. Christian will come back when every World Series event, they'll win yeah, all the PTA is, races and we'll look daft again. But this is Gustav. I still think, I still think Christian in the World Series stuff should be there. Yeah, I agree. So just to close out on the shoe before we hand over to Carl for New Zealand, Talbot made the good point. I think I said at the time as well, there is the world though that the, the Norwegians have almost appealed this themselves as a mechanism to check whether those shoes are legal, in which case it's quite a good idea. Like you're appealing a result that doesn't matter. You've done a 51st. Why not test the system yourself to see what you can get away with, which is something that sounds like it would come out of that camp. So good little conspiracy theory, but Kyle, we move on to something long now. If we're all good with the world series. I, I want to close. I want to close on the World Series and just say that I I much prefer the F1 circuit compared to the circuit where they did the Grand Final last year, and you know this is a my understanding is they're going to keep going back to Abu Dhabi. I don't know how they choose and swap between these venues. Um, they've now raced at three that I know of. Yeah, I they, like. The, sorry, I'm yeah. just saying I don't think they were able to use the F1 back in November because it conflicted with an actual F1 maybe a week before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hope they keep using the F1 course. I thought the layout that they used, despite all the cones, it looked great. It was a good venue and they use it in the future. On to Kyle. Before we wrap up world triathlon, we didn't do the fantasy like we did last year. And Imer Nichols got first place and absolutely obliterated everyone with 902 points. The closest person was roughly 150 points behind. So shout out to her for picking uh, all the accurate, not all the accurate picks, but definitely put together the best, uh, the best picks from the weekend. So maybe we might have to bring her on the podcast so that she can talk about draft legal racing along with Chelsea and do a draft legal episode. She should replace us all. Maybe. Yeah, probably so. Uh, On Ironman New Zealand. So Mike Phillips dueled it out with Braden Curry. 
Um, Sebastian Keenley uploaded his YouTube video post race, and it seemed to be that he struggled a lot mentally with finishing that race. Um, also, some challenges as far as him thinking that he should have just retired after Kona and not done this like farewell tour type of thing, but um, he's just going to grit it out and keep going. Els Visser made it look easy, got the dub. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention, Race Ranger. Uh, it was their first time, I believe, at an iron distance race, which they were chatting with us and said that the battery was never an issue. It never went below 50%. They were working on flushing out a couple of bugs that happens with technology um, as the years go on. And they're looking at, um, I believe, at 70.3 Geelong here in about three weeks' time. So um, super exciting stuff, I think the more that this product gets used at races, um, it will only continue to get better. So I'm hopeful that more and more races will be open to them demoing the products and getting a product that we can all believe works and we can back. So, um, Mark, Ironman South Africa. It seems the biggest drama from that race happened before the race. Well, two big dramas happened before the race. Um, I couldn't have been more wrong about Alistair Browning, as it turns out, um, which unfortunately isn't the first time I've said that. Hopefully it'll be the last. Uh, Alistair Browning did not start. Um, he's got a bit of a hip niggle. I'm led to believe it's super minor, and he's just terrified of writing off another season. He has lots of other chances to hit up a, a full-distance race, and he basically just had a hip niggle in the few days before it and didn't want to risk running through it. Um, so we'll see what that happens, but more, it's sort of more of the same for Alistair Brown at the moment. Uh, the other surprise, Carl, this is going to blow your mind. Did you know the Ironman's South Africa swim was shortened? Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I know. Ironman South Africa basically cancelled a swim. I, I couldn't believe it myself when I saw it. Um, I was so concerned. I was in Vegas this weekend on the strip and I like, I was like, oh, the race is going on right now. I'm like at the bars and I'm like pulling up the Ironman tracker and I'm like, they swam, they swam four kilometers in seven minutes, minutes, nine minutes. Yeah. Have you seen some of the videos and see people, loads of people on Instagram sharing like footage. It's like you'd let your five-year-old kid go swimming. It's pancake. I I don't understand how they keep getting away with it. So allegedly, allegedly they delayed the start by 30 minutes because of the thunderstorm and then they started the race, but I don't understand why you delay it 30 minutes and then just don't do the full swim. If it's or, or let the pros do the full swim because they're going to get around it quickly. Like it, it's a joke. So yet another Ironman South Africa swim. It did beg the question for me before we move on to the results: why someone like Fenella Langridge would go and do that race when the chance of the swim being cancelled is so high, and the swim is such an important part of your race. I probably wouldn't gamble on it, but she got the KQ she came for. So going on to the race uh, in the um, men's race, the nine-minute swim kicked off. Uh, Camworth then went out hitting onto the bike. Um, he got himself a gap, having like ridden across the little little deficit he had out of the swim. So he was in the lead by 16k, and he basically stayed in the lead till the end. However, he got clawed down. Uh, Leon Chevalier rode brilliantly and pulled pulled him back to about 40 second gap. So 
Leo Chevalier has shown yet again he is an on-par cyclist with the likes of Camworth. And then through T2, Camworth set up pretty well on the run, was sort of holding his second place to Leon Chevalier, who ran away with it, by the way, in fantastic performance all round from Leon again. Um, Camworth did a bit of a classic cam and crumbled in the second half of the marathon, but last week he rode the UAE World Cycling Tour race in the UAE. So I, I can't imagine he's done any running. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, Leon Chevalier uh, first, um, Bradley Bees in second, Kudos, Bradley, another great race in South Africa for you. And then in third out of Denmark was uh, Matthias Patterson. Uh, they both they all bagged their Kona qualifications, as did uh, Rasmus Svenningsen. Um, I don't know if Leon already had it. I apologise, I haven't looked that up. Someone will be able to tell me before the end, because if he did, it will roll down to Camworth. So no, no he doesn't. No. So only the top four got their KQ. Then. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Well, NQ now, nice qualification. Um, so that's the men's was kind of wrapped up. As we predicted, I said Alice running to the win, Leon Chevalier second, big gap to third. Alice didn't race, Leon Chevalier won it. Uh, a pretty standard race in that field. The women's race was uh, slightly more interesting with some more controversy involved in it. Not interesting out front. Laura Phillip just completely dominated from, from start to finish. I, I thought she was cruising, though. Um, and just taking an easy kind of qualification. But she posted afterwards saying it was a really hard race and she worked really, really hard, um, which when your wife's going to race her later in the year and she's got Roth planned is great news. I hope she's exhausted. Um, but she she did race brilliantly. Uh, she won convincingly by 11 minutes. Uh, in second place was Fenella Langridge. Now, I thought Fenella made it look quite hard work for an athlete of her calibre. Um, she got dropped on the bikes by the likes of, well, she's been pulled from the results now, Justin Mayfew, who was disqualified. Um, she was back in sort of sixth place on the bike at some point in the group, but her run was good. Uh, she came through strong on the run uh, to finish second. And then taking third on the day was Penny Slater. However, Penny Slater was comfortably fourth across the line. Justin Mayfew was disqualified from the race. Uh, she was shown a blue card on the bike, which she didn't serve the penalty. Uh, having spoke to her, she didn't see the blue card, um, and it was apparently for a slotting-in violation. When you look at the power Justin pushed, I've seen her power file, and how she dropped the whole rest of the field, bar Laura Phillip, uh, rode through every time split on the front of the group and then dropped everyone, it feels like she got a really short straw today. Um, and her Instagram post is pretty raw, so... Hopefully, Justine bounces back, but was disqualified today. So, Laura Phillip, congratulations on yet another dominant win. Final language, pennies later. And then Laura Zimmerman got the last qualification slot today. That's South Africa. Any wow. Fuzzies? That was perfect. The only question I have is, when is South Africa going to either move this race out of Nelson Mandela Bay, I believe is where they're continuing to have the swim, or have they moved it to another location? I actually don't know. Um, oh, they've got to do something about it because you would start to lose age groupers going there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay to go and race South Africa, for instance, because I would just assume the swim's going to be cancelled. And uh, you know, that's not what you do an Ironman for. Uh, hopefully, no one gets their tattoo from that race because you, you're cheating. I'm afraid. Uh, Chels. I just wanted to say one time I raced in South Africa, and the water was 10 degrees Celsius. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you think of South Africa being hot because it's got the word Africa in it, but the uh, the sea there, like there are penguins in South Africa. It can be absolutely Baltic. It's obviously not in the Baltics, but it's a bloody cold swim sometimes. The last bit of interest before we move on, uh, Clement Minion, who has actually proved himself to be a super talented Ironman athlete, uh, 
had DO2 issues. Apparently, it was before the race and they thought they'd fixed it, um, but he DNF'd. So he still needs a qualification slot for Nice. And Clement Minion's a top 10 world champs kind of guy. So he will be looking for that somewhere else. Like maybe Texas in six weeks' time would make a lot of sense. So watch out for Clement. He's also from Nice, so it would be a hometown race for him as well. So Yeah, yeah. He'll definitely be focusing, trying to get that qualification. So whether he goes to Hamburg, which is where Jan's racing, and we also, where will Alice Brown again race now? Great speculation. Um, we have one big race coming up this weekend. Clash Miami. Unfortunately, I was at the Everyman Jack. Not unfortunate that I was at Everyman Jack camp. The unfortunate news is that uh, Clash Miami is actually not doing a live feed this year, which is devastating news, I feel like, for triathlon world in general, just because those races are so exciting to watch. Not to mention you have... Uh, probably five or six of the top 20 males um, doing this race and probably four or five of the top 20 females in the PTO rankings. Pat, what do you got? I mean, obviously it's super uh, disappointing because the best thing that we said about this series was the broadcast and, and they were, that was one, one spot where I thought they were really elevating, um, elevating the game. So Paul, to hear that, you know, this series doesn't have, doesn't have live coverage. It's just super unfortunate for the athletes. And it's, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a bummer. But it, Talbot makes a great point. I mean, they literally put this race on a racetrack because it made for good broadcasting and now they're not broadcasting it. So is that Kyle, do we have an understanding? Is it purely, was it a price sensitivity thing? Like they just didn't have the budget to do the broadcast or what was, I, I, I guess I'm going back to what Talbot was saying. They had these races because it was inclusive of this amazing broadcast. So I think now the question begs, it's like, what is the point of these races? And will they, is this, is this a sign that they're going to be done? You know, I'm not sure if they had a falling out with NASCAR Productions or um, Fox or NBC decided to not uh, take the time slot anymore. You almost have to wonder, like, what happened in 2020 with the PTO race. There was obviously a falling out within PTO and Clash and Challenge. Um, So I I think there's kind of more to the story there. I think it's a bit of expectation management, wasn't it? So 2020 was crazy numbers because no one had seen a race since COVID. It was a million dollars. It was the first one. Everyone was desperate to watch triathlon. The numbers were huge. And then since then, the numbers have obviously dwindled significantly. So now no one cares. So NBC has dropped it is what I think has happened. I think the writing is on the wall here. I think we head down. Talbot gets his iPhone out and us four can commentate. A huge fan of that. <laughs> okay, well, I had just heard that the viewership from 2020 was, like, outrageous. Um, of course, just like what Mark had alluded to, there's tons and tons of people watching. It was the only triathlon of the year. And uh, NBC and NASCAR made a deal with Bill Christie and Clash Daytona. And then since then, I mean, if you look, they only had four athletes, five athletes show up at Watkins Glen last year. The Clash series is just unfortunately a dead series and uh they're gonna do daytona again this year but that's the only race that they're gonna do but it just seems like nbc is like "Mm, that was cool but we got to make money 
So that was Talbot Cox joining us on the podcast, even though he absolutely promised he wouldn't come on mic because he's wandering around an airport again. But he just couldn't help himself. Talbot, I prefer it when you just put comments in the sidebar so we can get your valuable input without listening to you. But he is absolutely right on that. No, the best part about Talbot's comments on the sidebar of our chat is that we have to navigate his spelling errors to try and convey (laughs) his point. That's that's my favorite part of it is – is we've got to figure out which there he's speaking about, which two he's speaking about here. Um, it is, so it is he, so even using every, every now and then he'll confuse a, a now and a no. We don't know which one it is. <laughs> Kyle can understand it, though. That's right. Best friends for like 15 years or whatever. So uh, the women's race at Clash Miami, I think is going to be quite impressive. Sif Madsen, who's coached by her boyfriend, right? Magnus Ditleff, um, kind of na- made a name for herself at Daytona. You also have Sarah Perez-Soloff. Uh, Jackie Herring, Lucy Byram, and um, Holly Haley Chura, who would probably be your top five, if I was to guess. Uh, the men's race is going to be a little bit more, a little tougher to predict. You have Sam Long, Daniel Backegaard, Joe Skipper, Jason West, uh, Matt Sharp, Sam Appleton. Um, there's, I mean, there's all the men. Justin Rial, who is the person who's given me all this information about Clash not having uh, live coverage. He's on the Everman Jack triathlon team and is racing professional this year. He'll more than likely swim kind of lead pack. The person I didn't mention, Vincent Louie, he kind of posted a cryptic Instagram message and then spent the weekend with one of his best friends, Pierre Gasly, in the F1 pits at the race in Bahrain. So, uh, or I'm going to assume that he's still going to go to the race in Miami, but if he does, I would say that he's almost a shoe in for the win. Um, barring Sam Long has uh, super, gotten superpowers from uh, being carb free. Shush, I knew that's where you were going. Uh, uh, stop it. That's not happening. Anyway, is that is that us wrapped up? That's the only race we got this weekend? That's all we got. I, I'm going to throw it out there. I thought we we sort of hyped up how good the World Series triathlon was going to be this year. I thought that was a brilliant start to to, to reflect back on. I thought that was a really good uh, first race on this the, the, the short course stuff. So if you are one of our many, many long-distance fans, do try and tune in. If you're in the UK, the BBC stream it. You can get it on the websites. Uh, it is actually really exciting racing. I think it's on par better than the PTO racing. Uh both those races were were, were were to the nail, you know. Sophie Colwell really made that race. And Alexia didn't make it look too easy. So, yeah, get involved in those if you can because they are they are excellent triathlons. Ten weeks to Yokohama. Countdown is on. Is that the next one? Yeah, I know it's sad, huh? Oh, my God. I just hyped it up and you got to wait ten weeks. I'll rehype it two weeks out. All right. no, and that's, a, that's an Olympic? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's important to note too that with World Triathlon, they're they're expanding their broadcast, and so the World Cups, which never had coverage in the past, uh, the World Cups have have fantastic uh, coverage as well. It's not at the same it's not at the same level as a World Series race, but it, I mean, they've got motorbikes on course. It's it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, yeah. There's, and they, there's... they have Conti Cups all the time as well. There was one yesterday. Friend of the show, Chase McQueen, made it on the podium in La Paz, Mexico. And we have next week one in our country here, Sarasota, where Olympic medalist and new mother Katie Zafirez will be racing again. So, yes, there are other races before Yokohama. We can catch New Plymouth end of March. 
So yeah, I thought I thought Pat was getting to a plug to watch. Uh, to have no, everyone no, no, watch. No. I was just saying that there, there's the broadcast. There, there's many there's many other World Cups that are broadcast. That's all. That's a fair point. So do we have any hot takes this week? We need to start getting on top of these scrolling. I got a hot take. You ready? You ready? If Matt Mack doesn't go to the front of the race in Abu Dhabi, he gets on the podium. What? He went to the front of the bike in Abu Dhabi. You could say the same as Leo Bajer. He tried that breakaway, worked pretty hard there, and then crumbled on the run a bit. But no. Matt Mack, you were only on the front for a little bit, but I think it compromised your race. That's my hot take from the weekend. We missed. We didn't talk about this, but we missed seeing uh, our American Morgan Pearson race again in Abu Dhabi. He, I think, came down with food poisoning the day before, so had to pull out. All right, my hot take: What happens to the PTO points from Ironman South Africa, knowing that the swim was shortened? Kyle tasked me with looking this up, and I forgot to, and now I'm going to panic and look it up. I'm pretty sure okay, they still well, stand. Well, you, well, you look it up, Mark. Let's, you know, me. Kyle I would, I would Chelsea say that they get but... they minus one point two five points from everyone's score. Okay, but 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 Kyle, you're pulling that number out of thin air. Like, what do you do if? I just want... got done. I just took a trip to go to the Wizards' basement to talk with them on how we should do this. What do we and do? And this about... is what we did last year, so we're gonna do it again. Okay, but what do we do about a bike that's shortened or a run that's a tiny bit long or like what? Where well, do it doesn't you... matter now so much because they don't have to do the course adjustments because it's based around place, and then the time is based on the percentage ahead of other athletes within the race. So actually, shortening little elements doesn't really matter because they don't class stuff as an Ironman at seventy point three, etc. It's just over rate over the distance. Now. I, I have the document open in front of me. I don't believe it It has an impact. Um, I think they still stand. Um, yeah. It should be on the last page with Q&As. A few moments later. What happens if a swim is cancelled or a race is cut short is the question in the document. And the answer, as a, each race is scored in isolation with no reference to historical times, all calculations for an event can be completed as normal, even if part of the race is shortened. So they will all still hold points standing um, as, as it is. Okay. There we go. Yep. So if Chill. it's a duathlon, it's just they're pretending it's a triathlon. Yeah, I think it's based on the fact that you travel to enter a race. It's not on the athlete's fault that the swim's shortened. That's up to the event organizer. Yeah. You shouldn't penalize athletes that maybe frame the whole season around a race um, and then a storm cancels part of the swim. It's, I think it's the right decision. That's probably fair. Yep. Yep. Understood. And they did still swim. So they didn't cancel the swim entirely. It's just unfortunate that it was only 700. 50 meters or whatever it was. I'd be annoyed if I was the athlete I have a, that. You're just salty for the rest of the day when you could have just started a nice dry bike. But anyway. I have a I have a technical hot take. Go on. I want to go back to my tech corner a little bit, but this is the one that I have. So everyone is trying to get these continental time trial labeled tires, right? Well, you don't have them. These have been deemed to be very fast. No, I don't. I don't have them. I certainly don't have them. I don't. Really I'll, want send, them. I'll send. I'll send you some. 
Like, as long as the Norwegians don't get a hold of them, I've got 20 or so in a box. Okay, so now, but now the question is, is Continental has released that tire is now available to the mass market and it's understanding if that tire is, is still the tire that everybody wanted this past year. And I don't think we've, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. It's got the 5,000 um, like shark fins on it. And my question is, is like, is that still the same tire? And will that be the, will that be the, the one of choice moving forward for everybody? So my understanding, I'm joking. I don't have a box 20 of them sat here. Um, my understanding is that when it comes to Continental and these big brand tire issues, you get the pro issue, which they make for their Tour de France teams. And they're often a different compound to what they actually release to market, as you know, all too well, Pat. I yeah. think the Continental TT tire that we're using last year is still different to the one they've mass released. So I don't think it's the same as the pro issue Tour de France tire. Yeah. Even from looking at it, like you say, it's got the it's got the fins on and part of the speed of this tire was the aerodynamics. Tires can be aerodynamically different. That's particularly important, like 55k an hour upwards, you know, for these time trials. But mm-hmm. I think, Pat, it's probably a slightly more of a leveler now they've released it. I don't think the release tire is as much better as the prototype or the, the pro issue one. So it'll be the big names like Yan that can tap up Conti and get the pro issue tire. That's the one you're after. Um, and it might be the one that dominates. Um, but uh, every brand will catch up soon enough. They always do. Anyways, tires. <laughs> Chelsea, do oh. you have a hot take or no? No, do you? I already said mine, Matt Mac. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, we talk we're, about we're a lot. That. We don't need to talk about any more drama, hey? Cat Matthews announced a comeback race. Ooh, what is it? She's going to race Ironman Texas on the 22nd of April, which will be seven months after... Uh, everyone knows breaking her back, etc. So we'll be heading stateside to stay in Pat's house for a couple of weeks. Thanks for having us. We'll come see and, you in Boulder. We'll be doing this. We're all going to be in Boulder except Pat. <laughs> I know. So I, I said I'm going. We'll hold a house party at Pat's house when he's not there, and we'll record the show with Kyle, Talbot, Chelsea, yeah. all from Pat's living room without him. All, all from my hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a hot yeah, tub. Love that. You have a hot tub. Yeah, I got a hot tub. Yeah, oh wow. I got to recover. Yeah, I, 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 I put in, and Mark, Mark will be happy to know I cleaned it and refilled it before I left. So he's going to be the first one in there. Love it. I don't. You know what's You know what's so great. Let me just say this real quick. So that episode is actually going to be the anniversary of our two-year podcast. No, oh, Kyle. So we've three been year. doing two-year. Two. Year. two we'll okay. start our third year. Oh, I see. Okay. 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 Right, I think I think we've exhausted our rounds uh, for this week's show. So, Carl, do you want to wrap up for us? I will, unless Talbot wants to do it. Talbot's the best at it, and he's just chilling. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Pro Try News. The best way that you can help us out is to uh, give some love to our sponsors, Manscaped and Waterfall Bank. You can also follow us on Instagram, like and subscribe as well as share this podcast with someone that you feel may get benefit out of listening to four pundits talk about professional triathlon. So until next time, enjoy the race this weekend, Clash Miami. Unfortunately, you'll have to watch it through the Clash Endurance app, and then we'll see you guys next week.